Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, June 18th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, here we are wrapping up another Fed week. We had the June Federal Open Market Committee meeting Tuesday and Wednesday, and everybody has graded the messaging coming out of the central bank as extremely hawkish, and the markets have reacted accordingly, especially the gold and silver markets. But was the Fed really that hawkish, though? I don't think so. In fact, I would say it was a dove in hawk's clothing. But that's sure not the market perception. The mainstream is absolutely convinced that the central bank is on the cusp of significantly tightening monetary policy. Now, needless to say, this is not the ideal environment for gold and silver. We saw our biggest single-day sell-off in gold this year. It was nearly a 5% drop. We plunged straight through the $1,800 support level and dropped as low as $1,770 yesterday. Now, we did see a bit of a recovery overnight as some investors are taking advantage of what is basically gold on sale. So right now, we're a few bucks above $1,790 as I'm recording the podcast. Silver got pummeled as well, falling through the $26 level to as low as $25.82 on Thursday. Meanwhile, we saw a huge rally in the dollar. The dollar index opened at 90.15 on Wednesday before the FOMC meeting wrapped up, and it closed at 91.92 yesterday. That's nearly a 2% gain. It accounts for almost all of the total year-to-date 2.2% gain in the dollar index. Now, stop and think about this for a minute. How does this make sense? We have this big dollar rally into an extremely inflationary environment. In fact, we got some data before the whole Fed brouhaha that once again reveals that prices are rising much faster than anybody expected. Import-export prices rose much faster than projections uh, for May. Import prices were up 1.1% month-on-month in May, and the Labor Department revised April's increase from 0.7 to 0.8. Projections for May uh, were for a 0.7% increase. The actual number was higher than the highest end of the estimates. It was the seventh monthly gain in import prices, bringing the year-on-year increase to 11.3%. That marks the largest rise since September 2011. Export prices charted an even bigger increase, surging 2.2% in May on the heels of a 1.1% increase in April. Prices for agricultural exports rose 6.1%. That's the highest gain since November 2010. Year-on-year, export prices skyrocketed 17.4%. According to Reuters, that's the largest rise since the series started back in September of, get this, 1983. Uh, And that comes on the heels of a 14.9% increase in April. Now, 
this is probably a better gauge of price inflation than CPI. We all know the CPI number is cooked, right? The government gets to decide what's in the so-called basket of goods. We know that the government tweaked this formula significantly in the 1990s to make inflation look lower than it really is. But import-export prices, that's pretty straightforward. I mean, they are what they are, and that's not an easy number to manipulate. Now, the pain of higher import prices, that's pretty easy to see. You go to Walmart and you pay a higher price. It gets passed on to you and me. But why should we fret over export prices? That's good, right? Foreigners are paying that. Uh, That means more dollars coming into the U.S. Except that if it's costing so much more to make goods to export, that means it's also costing that much more to produce products that you're using. You know, the U.S. exports a lot of food. Well, Americans eat American food too, right? So this is simply telling us that the price of everything is going up. And again, you know, if we've gone to the grocery store, the gas station, or the hardware, we know this. We know that prices are rising and they're rising rapidly. But you don't need to worry because, of course, this inflation is all transitory. People have bought this rope-a-dope hook, line, and sinker. You know, it's cute until inflation punches you in the face. So let's talk Fed meeting. Now, to be absolutely clear, the Fed didn't really do anything. There was no interest rate hike. The Fed didn't roll back quantitative easing. They didn't even offer a timeline for rolling back QE. So the inflationary monetary policy the central bank has been running for the last year plus continues unabated. That's the bottom line. So why did markets freak out? Well, everybody zeroed in on the so-called dot plot that offers some insight into the possible timing of interest rate hikes. At the March meeting, the FOMC held firm to its projection that it would not raise interest rates until 2024. But now, the so-called dot plot shows two rate hikes in 2023. So all of this Fed hawkishness talk is based on the possibility that the Fed might maybe raise interest rates two years from now. As far as tapering its bond purchases, the Fed didn't offer any timeline at all, although Fed Chairman Jerome Powell did acknowledge that the committee discussed the matter. Quote, you can think of this meeting that we had as the talking about talking about meeting. And he reiterated that the central bank would give plenty of warning before it actually starts tapering quantitative easing. As far as inflation goes, the Fed raised its CPI projection to 3.4% on the year. That was a full percentage point higher than the March forecast. And you might notice that's significantly higher than the 2% target, right? But again, no worries. The central bank continues to categorize inflation as, say it with me, transitory. Quote, our expectation is these high inflation readings now will abate, Powell said during the post-meeting press conference. Now, I don't think the mainstream is buying the transitory mantra any more than I am. An economist told CNBC the Fed's tone was unexpected and speeding up the pace of rate hikes doesn't quite line up with its inflation narrative. He said, quote, 
The Fed is now signaling that rates will need to rise sooner and faster, with their forecast suggesting two hikes in 2023. This change in stance jars a little with the Fed's recent claims that the recent spike in in inflation is temporary, end quote. A TD security strategist said basically the same thing, quote, transitory and hikes don't mix. He went on to say, quote, yet the Fed dot plot provided a clear signal of a change in tone with the median showing a 50 basis points of tightening by in 23. The FOMC showed its hand while the Fed has continued to reiterate that the strength in inflation is transitory. The officials formal assessments of risk tilted strongly to the upside with participants uncertainty assessments for core price inflation rising notably alongside their risk weightings for core price inflation. So when we boil this all down, we basically have three narratives going on here. The Fed narrative is that inflation is transitory, nothing to see here. We don't have to worry about tightening anytime soon. We're not raising rates until 2023 and then just by 50 basis points, and we're going to keep right on printing money and buying bonds. Then you have the market narrative. Inflation is heating up. It's not transitory. The Fed knows it, and they are about to tighten down the screws. Then there's my narrative. The Fed knows damn well that inflation isn't transitory, but the central bankers also know they can't really raise interest rates in an economy buried in debt, and they have to keep buying bonds because the Biden administration is going to borrow and spend us into oblivion. So they're going to keep saying transitory over and over again, hint at some future action, and keep right on printing money. So the real question kind of boils down to which of these narratives do you believe? Speaking of government borrowing and spending, did you see the deficit numbers for May? Keep in mind, May was the tax filing deadline this year. Typically, the U.S. government runs a budget surplus in a tax month. Not this year. Despite a surge in revenues, the federal government ran a $131.95 billion deficit last month. That's a big yikes. And it reveals just how out of control government spending is right now. If you compare that to July of last year, which was when tax filings came in, uh, it's almost double. Actually, it's more than double the deficit we had last year uh, in tax month. This is also why I keep saying I don't think the Fed can stop buying bonds. In fact, it may have to ramp up bond buying before it's all said and done. Uncle Sam is actually about to turn up the sale of treasuries. The federal government has already run a $2.06 trillion budget deficit for fiscal 2021, and there's four months left to go. But somewhat surprisingly, if you look at the national debt over the last few months, it hasn't increased nearly at the pace you would expect, considering the big budget shortfalls. Now, given the level of spending, borrowing should be much higher. So the question is, how has the federal government maintained its spending pace without borrowing at a much higher rate? Well, the U.S. Treasury has been drawing down the balance in its Treasury General account. This is basically the Fed's, uh, the checking account the Treasury has at the Fed. But that maneuver is about to come to an end, so you can expect Treasury bond sales to spike in coming months. In a nutshell, the government ran the debt up by 
almost $3 trillion over the last year and a half. And in the process, it pumped up its cash reserves over at its Fed account. But over the last several months, it's been drawing that down to pay Uncle Sam's bills, and it hasn't had to sell as many treasury bonds as a result. But with the account drying up, it's going to have to go back to selling treasuries. So look for the national debt to start going up really fast in the coming months as the government starts selling bonds again. And this brings us to a very important question. Who is going to buy all of these bonds? Well, over the last 18 months, the Fed has been the biggest buyer of U.S. Treasuries. Do you think that's about to change just because the markets think Powell has gone hawkish? No, me neither. I've talked extensively about how the Federal Reserve basically keeps the bond market solvent by soaking up excess demand, well, or excess supply, I should say. And that supply is about to increase a lot. There's no way that the Fed is going to taper bond buying in this environment. At least, I don't see how it's going to do it. So anyway, back to the dot plot. That's really the basis of all this hawk talk. That's why gold sold off. That's why everybody thinks the Fed is about to tighten. Now, listen to what Powell actually said about the dot plot during his uh, post-meeting press conference. Quote, the dots are not a great forecaster of future rate moves. It's because it's so highly uncertain. There is no great forecaster. Dots to be taken with a big grain of salt. Uh, okay, so somebody passed the salt already. He also tried to temper optimism about the economic recovery. Liftoff is well into the future, he said. We're very far from maximum employment, for example. It's a consideration for the future. So clearly Powell is telling us that the Fed isn't on the cusp of some big round of tightening. This isn't hawkish. Like I said, it's a dove in hawk's clothing. Even if the Fed follows through, and starts raising rates in 2023. How in the heck is that bearish for gold? Look, if inflation isn't transitory, and the markets clearly don't think it is, and the Fed doesn't do anything for almost two years, and when it does finally do something, it just raises rates from zero to a quarter percent, this is basically spitting on a forest fire. That's not going to tame inflation. Remember what Paul Volcker had to do? He went nuclear on rate hikes. That's how he got inflation under control in the early 80s. That's what it would take to really deal with out-of-control inflation. But by the time the Fed is forced to admit inflation is a problem, it's going to be too late to do anything about it. And a, a quarter percent or a half percent increase in an interest rate isn't going to solve the problem. And if I'm wrong, and Powell says, whoa, not transitory. Maybe, let's say at the end of this year, and the central bank goes ahead and it starts tightening like the markets seem to think. Think about what that's going to do to this phony recovery. I mean, just think back to the modest rate hikes of late 2018, which came in a much healthier economy with much less debt than we have now. See, really, it comes down to what narrative do you believe? You should prepare accordingly. If you're not sold on the inflation is transitory narrative, I highly recommend that you talk to a shift gold precious metal specialist today. I mean, we basically have gold on sale right now. Call 1-888-GOLD-160 or you can just shoot them an email, info at shiftgold.com. 
These guys are fantastic. They will look at your personal goals, your investment needs, your portfolio, and tell you how precious metals can fit into your financial planning. So do that today. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap podcast. Uh, it's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. Other places, uh, Ship Gold YouTube channel, all of the links are on the show notes page. I appreciate you listening to the show, and I hope you have a fantastic weekend. <music>